from west to east and kingdom to kingdom, you're listening to the Diz Unplugged Connecting with Walt podcast. Connecting with Walt is brought to you by Dreams Unlimited Travel, experts at helping you plan the perfect Disney vacation. Visit them on the web at dreamsunlimitedtravel.com. Hello and welcome to episode 126 of the Diz Unplugged, Connecting with Walt podcast. I am your host and Diz historian Michael Bowling, and I am joined by my co-host, producer, and good friend Craig Williams. Craig, how are you today? I'm doing good. How are you, Michael? Oh, I'm doing fine. Thank you. I'm sure we're both recovering from uh, the Thanksgiving turkey. Oh, there's no recovering. <laughs> there's no recovering. So I, uh, <laughs> I'll excuse me one second. Sorry, I got a really bad bug in my uh, throat right there when I was about to talk about how much mm-hmm. turkey I was still eating uh, because I will be eating a lot. <laughs> I'm that type of person where they're like, okay, throw out your turkey and leftovers after five days. And I'm that guy who's like, well, seven is close to five, right? It's still going to be okay. So, yeah, I'll, I'll oh, still I'm the be, same way. Uh, I mean, we'll be at this release. It'll be on day eight. So, yeah, I'll still be having sandwiches. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Yeah, since I go to Carol's families, I don't bring home a lot of um, – I, I don't have a lot of leftovers. Mm-hmm. You know, Sometimes I'm tempted to – cook a little turkey or something like that after just so i have leftovers yeah that's you never know i might do that i we're kind of we don't have really distinct thanksgiving traditions yet at this point i know we've talked about it a little bit uh leading up to thanksgiving and stuff but uh it's we're, we're still trying to figure that out while i worked for universal it was kind of uh it universal gives all of their employees a, a turkey every year so it was always my tradition in the past that i i would cook on thanksgiving day as i I would cook our turkey for us and and we would have that and then we'd either go to work or then once i started with the diz i wouldn't have to go to work anymore and usually i'd end up at pete's house for thanksgiving later on in the day but now that uh now that i don't work for universal we get one turkey from kylie and we were lucky that we got her turkey this year because we were on a cruise while they were handing them out so we we just snuck it in the last second to get a turkey but then i found out that her family does celebrate thanksgiving after being together for seven years so now we have to we have to mix that into it so i i will celebrate thanksgiving but not with leftovers and then we get back from thanksgiving (laughs) and then we have uh well you know we got back from thanksgiving last week had our marathon show and then all of you know it's essentially the long story short is i need to figure out when i'm going to cook my turkey and have leftovers which probably still has not (laughs) happened as the point that this is released and that's not okay (laughs) 
Well, 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 good luck with those difficult decisions. So. And none of this matters that, because we have no idea when this is releasing and when we're recording this. <laughs> no. So, anyway, well, a lot has happened in the last couple of weeks as we were, you know, last couple of episodes we were talking about Disney Plus, but they were both uh, recorded before Disney Plus launched. So, I know we <laughs> want to talk a little about Disney Plus and Frozen 2, but I know what you really want to talk about is that new cats trailer that dropped i have not watched it i'll be honest i i have openly avoided it because we talked plenty enough about the uh, first trailer and that (laughs) sneak peek i know it's just gonna infuriate me oh well now apparently they 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 look like they're trying to make us forget it's a musical (laughs) there's there's no singing in the second trailer (laughs) Jeez, what a mess. What a mess. But I will say, going back to the Disney Plus side of things, I feel a little bit uh I feel a little bit I don't I don't know if the words redeemed or whatnot, but the day that Disney Plus launched, the amount of people I saw out there who were saying like, I can't believe we have access to country bears now and a lot of the terrible choices that I made it made me so happy inside because we recorded, like you just said, we recorded that Disney Plus episode a week before it launched. So when we were talking about all that stuff, it was like it, we didn't know what were going to be the surprises. Like, I correct me if I'm wrong, but was was uh-huh. the fact that the first five episodes of the Mickey Mouse Club on was that a surprise, or did we know that? No, we knew that. What we I did. was surprised okay. about was Marvel Marvel Agent Carter was on there. And oh, I didn't even it was see that. Not, it was not announced. I'll, I've already watched like the first six episodes. I am <laughs> so happy. And uh, Spin and Marty was on yes. there. I don't think that was one of those announced ones. That was definitely uh, there one was of the surprises. another surprise. one. Yeah. Yeah, there was a third one. That oh, Tomorrowland, the film wasn't supposed to be there on hmm. opening, you know, for the launch, and it's there. So um, okay. Anyway, and so uh, apparently they literally, as launch day was coming, they uh, they were signing the agreements with you know for for you know getting all the rights and all that, so they were I able bet. to put yeah. some last minute things on there. Oh, and, is my understanding and the nuts part is yeah it's been it's been a while since michael and i have talked besides just emailing each other uh it so it, it you are catching up with us as we're catching up with each other like just seeing how the mm-hmm. app developed in that time the fact that when it launched it was what it was and just in the two weeks that it's been out they've already added the resume a show because for a while or movie mm-hmm. because for the first little bit it was if you didn't watch something till the very end you had to manually fast forward to wherever you were yep. and they finally added that function and then i just noticed this morning as of the day that we're recording they finally added the uh, continue on for for like tv series so if you've watched a little bit of a series mm-hmm. it'll pick up where the with the last episode that you just watched so uh, there's I- 
Yeah, I saw that too. Yeah, so they're they're yeah. listening to us and they're they're making these changes. So that's that's also very pleasing. It's very rare where it feels like Disney's listening to us and doing something about it. <laughs> yeah. So I assume you're watching some of the same things I'm watching, like a Ma- the Imagineering series. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, that's incredible. I just love it. And of course, folks who have listened to the show, you know, Connecting with Walt and then the, the our classic Disneyland show, there might not be a lot of information there that surprises you, but there is footage that has never been released to the public in there. I loved seeing Harper Goff dance on an unfinished Main Street at the Magic mm-hmm. Kingdom. You know, I mean, yeah. but there was there there there's all kinds of things on there, and hearing Walt talk about it in his own words, or some of the other Imagineers in interviews that they did before they passed, or whatever. I mean, it, it's just wonderful. Yeah, the and, the footage is yeah. just perfect, and really, what what sets it apart from you know anything else out there that's history related is that they were able to craft a really good story out of it. I mean, it is a good story, but just because it's mm-hmm. a good story doesn't mean, you know, it, it doesn't mean that it will necessarily come together as a good story once you put it on on TV, film, whatever it's going to debut as. And Leslie Iwerks is very, very talented. It came out so well. And, you know, I even think picking Angela Bassett for the narrator was just an outstanding choice. What a beautiful voice. Just a beautiful voice. So commanding. Like, just really fits it perfectly. (laughs) And they, you know, and this isn't all just... um, all you know pixie dust and rainbows uh, when yeah. they get into the third episode you know the the warts start to show um, you yeah. know and some of the issues they had you know we you know we've just hit the point where you know frank wells has passed so we're going to start seeing some bumps in the road yeah it's you know, <laughs> we already have they've already alluded to it with euro disneyland well, and it, its performance and, and stuff so I watched episode three right after watching, uh, right after watching Waking Sleeping Beauty. So I feel mm-hmm. like those are actually really good bookends to kind of watch each other with, or not mm-hmm. bookends, but side by side, because Waking Sleeping Beauty is, it, I, it definitely shows not positive aspects of Michael Eisner, but it is a lot harsher on Katzenberg than it is on Eisner. Oh, it is, and. So then this episode of Imagineering, the third episode, is it is not, again, it's not harsh on Eisner, but it does not also, it doesn't paint him as making a lot of amazing decisions. It, it, with, he mm-hmm. makes decisions with good intentions. It just doesn't follow through the way he intended. And so it was like, it was kind of interesting to see those two different takes uh, from from the animation side versus the theme park side of how they both view Eisner. So it was, I I found that very, very interesting. Yeah. I love, love, love the Mandalorian. Uh, Me too. Um, Oh gosh. It is so good. This is the star Wars. It's for me, it's like seeing the original uh, film, which is now the, the fourth film for the first time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when I was in college, and I, I just think it's so 
good. So great. I And I know folks are some are disappointed with the length of each episode but it's perfect it's it tells the story in that amount of time and i know everybody's going nuts over baby yoda uh, or whatever it is but um whatever it will become but um and all but just everything about that is oh yeah for for me i I look sorry go ahead Mm mm-hmm no, I, I just I, I look forward to every episode, you know, uh, of that more yeah. so than almost anything else on it, Disney Plus. Hundred percent for me too. So I am also I'm in the child craze right now, like everyone else is. So it's it is just adorable in the the powers that have come through that. And I mean, I guess I guess this is all being said with the idea that uh, for our American audiences. This you probably have already watched it, so have to apologize for some of our European and uh, English audiences out there who haven't had access to it yet. So we won't say anything about it beyond what we've already said because we know you don't want spoilers. But there is it, you know, part of it. It's it's the Mandalorian. It obviously is going to go deeper into into the Mandalorians and. There is a scene in one of the episodes where all all of them come together in in this one moment that it like mm-hmm. for me it doesn't matter how much the child is important that moment where they all came together for that two minutes it was like I every single hair on my body was standing up like it's it was it is so well stuff. done and unexpected mm-hmm. I I I I I was to- it didn't. Yeah, it just I thought, wow. And anyway, but um yeah, and then a few other things. I love Jeff Goldblum in that <laughs> so series. Goofy. I have not brought myself to I know. But I thought some really interesting things that whole history of sneakers. When watching the sneaker thing, I thought, okay, where is he going with some of this stuff? And then he brings it all home at the end. Yeah. And connects it all together. Same thing with the ice cream one. And although I, I don't think that one ice cream shop where they I don't know, mix sorghum and wheatgrass together or something for flavors. I don't know if I would like that. Oh, you haven't been to Salt um, and Straw at Disneyland yet? No, I've not. Oh, Michael, you have to go there. there. Oh, it is so good. It actually made me happy. Rhino Rhino texted me after it that in that episode of, uh, of Jeff Goldblum, when he goes to Salt and Straw, the first flavor that they talk about it is the uh, it's goat cheese and black olive brittle ice cream, and that okay, was the that first just thing. Horrible. It, no, it was the first thing I had at Salt and Straw because I love goat cheese, and then I, I figured black olives. You know, they're salty but brittle. You're going to have the sweet, and it was exactly that. It was creamy with the goat cheese. And then add that sweet and salty from the black olives and in the brittle. Oh my gosh! It, I still have not had an ice cream that I love more than that at Salt and Straw. So really? you need to go there. Huh. Yes, yes, absolutely. Well, I'm going to be there in December. I'll see. I don't know, but um, anyway. And then I've watched the first episode of Encore. Really, mm-hmm. I-, I enjoyed it. I found some of their personal stories very moving. Okay, the performance of Annie. All right, it. It was hard on the ears, but, you know, I, I like the stories of the people and all that. So I know they did Beauty and the Beast next episode. I've not yet watched that. And yeah. uh, what else have I watched? I've watched the Muppets 
That's me too. That's a fun yep. one where I just I, I enjoy that. And um, I think I just finished the one where they all go to the karaoke bar, which I remember watching um, when it first aired. And and then, um, gosh, I've, I've, I finally watched all the Star Wars films. Well, I have to watch Solo because that's on Netflix. Mm-hmm. And, and so is Last Jedi. And so that I'm ready for the rise of Skywalker. I... I I still think The Last Jedi is a mess. Some of the storylines just make virtually no sense to me. Okay. Agree to disagree. um, (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I know. I know you like it. I I, I don't. I don't really care for the storytelling aspect of it. And, uh, and, um, gosh, what what else have I been watching? I've been watching The Silly Symphonies. Uh, as I prepare for a future episode, there's a lot and, on there. You know, yeah. I, I've been watching. There, there are a lot on there. I've been watching a lot of the shorts. So I like, you know, I watched um, the the those Pixar Sparks uh, shorts. Uh, you know, the um, what was it? Float. Mm-hmm. Oh gosh, mm-hmm. that's a wonderful story. Especially when you read, when you watch the little, uh, you know, extra in there and the backstory of it all. So. Um, so yeah, I, I watch think, little things like that here and there. Yeah, I think one of the bright spots on the future of Disney Plus is that they included it launch way more than we ever expected of the short cartoons mm-hmm. and then some of the, the other more obscure uh, catches out there, knowing that you know stuff is going to come and go from it. They're looking at every single metric that's happening with it and deciding what to keep moving forward. But it's been like, I've been going out of my way to watch a lot of the shorts because I want to make sure that Disney plus is a place where we have access to that at any point in time. I understand that, that the Mickey mouse club it's you're asking a very big favor asking for every episode they ever made of that. If they even have all of them stored somewhere it's asking a big favor but the the cartoons all the shorts we know that's possible because they've already released these box sets with them all on mm-hmm. there so those are possible so i'm putting i'm putting my eggs in the basket where i think we can get the most out of it yeah yeah so so yeah and it's I, and it's fun just to search and see what's on there i like that search function where it's disney through the decades Mm-hmm. That's uh, that's a that's fun one to the go best through. I've watched a couple yeah. of movies. Mm-hmm. Pete's Dragon. Yeah. I saw that's on there. Have not watched it yet. Oh, I I did the so, the original. Uh, that is. So I I thought mm-hmm. I'd give myself another chance with it. I'm like, if I don't have to actually get up and put the the Blu-ray in, maybe I'll like it more. And uh, it's mm-hmm. it's still so enjoyable. But it's such a bad movie. Oh, <laughs> uh, I like it. It's, so I know it's not great, but I like it. Oh, it's uh, it's entertaining. Anytime I hear a candle on the water and Brazzle Dazzle Day, like it's it all clicks, but it's like how is this thing so long? <laughs> what yeah, choices it is a make? long film. Yeah. 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 So but but you know, Shelly Winter is just at her peak. I, <laughs> I'm not I'm not completely racking on the mud. I feel Anyway, but I watched Frozen in preparation to watch Frozen 2, and I know we have both seen it. So what are your thoughts? I loved Frozen 2, but I'm also mm-hmm. I also am one of those people who I openly loved Frozen. So 
Mm-hmm. It wasn't to me. It wasn't that much of a surprise that I was going to love it. I, the animation is. I, I think that's the first thing that needs to be talked about. Somewhere along the line, there Disney just they finally decided to learn from Pixar in how to really take animation to the next level. And I thought some of the animation in this movie was just jaw droppingly stunning. Like on the level, yes. Even though I agree. Even though The Good Dinosaur is not a movie many people look at with fond memories and think is good, I think in terms of background animation, The Good Dinosaur is probably Pixar's best. Uh, it's, it is it is photorealistic the entire way through. Mm-hmm. So I, I felt like Frozen achieved that at some points in time. Um, the, the music to me, I am on the boat of saying that the music wasn't earwormy enough for me. Uh, I didn't. I, I agree with you. I didn't need to walk out knowing every song, but I will say that when I walked out of the first Frozen movie, it the soundtrack wasn't out when I saw Frozen One because I saw an early screening on a free ticket, and I by the time we left the theater, I could at least hum all of the songs. And with this one, I still have like Into the Unknown in my brain because we heard that at Expo. The first song, um, mm-hmm. the Some Things Never Change, that was still in my head because we heard it at the expo. And then uh, the, one more song that Elsa sings, that was in my head. But like the, the ones that actually I enjoyed the most in the movie, like Olaf's goofy little song about growing up in Kristoff's Power yeah. Ballad, those <laughs> were actually the, the ones that I remembered the most. I just can't tell you a, a single line from either of them. So no, I agree. I, I I think and it, for me when I listen to the soundtrack in advance a couple times because it's on Apple Music and they have an expanded one where mm-hmm. it's also the songs on it that they didn't use and and I thought yeah it was a good choice what they did use those are definitely the superior songs of the lot in my opinion but um it didn't in order to fully appreciate those songs I had to see the film. Yeah, And I didn't have to do that with Frozen. I could enjoy the songs in advance on their own. So I, I agree with you there. I like the music. Okay, What I did not care for, though, were the animated sequences where they were almost like music videos for the two power ballads, for especially Kristoff's. I liked the song, and I liked how it was presented. I didn't like how it was animated, almost like a music video. See, I was okay with that because I I really like Robert Lopez. And I know that him and his wife work on this as a, a team. But to me, that was like Robert Lopez worked you know, on Book of Mormon and a lot of stuff. They've done a lot of stuff together. But to me, that was his humor coming out. And something that his been the first frozen movie was dominated by Kristen anderson lopez and i'm not saying that's a bad thing Mm -hmm. she is so talented they are both talented but like that was kind of her baby and i feel like this since you know he got a lot of the credit for the first frozen movie and helping him complete his egot and such i feel like this time around it was like that was a chance for him to show his humor in the movie and he put it in so if you're not as familiar with his work necessarily it might have jumped out is a little bit more stark but if you know him as a songwriter to me it, like it just it clicked perfectly because it was like one yeah of, it just it, one it's of their sort shows. of shows but 
the, the, it just sort of pulled me out of the film when you have three s- silhouettes of of Kristoff uh, uh, yeah. oh. singing against the black background. I didn't care. That's what I'm talking it, about. It I won't age. I didn't age care for well. that kind of stuff. It, it's perfect for yeah. right now while people know who he is as a songwriter and they understand the duo. Mm-hmm. In 60 years, will people understand that? No, absolutely not. Uh, they'll be very confused so, by um, it. Yeah, but I thought I, I what I love is is that these these two films are intertwined. They complement each other really well. You need to see Frozen, I think, to understand Frozen Two. Agree. I don't. I don't think you can walk in the Frozen Two and grasp it in its totality. No, but it's it's a it's beautiful how it builds on the first film with you know and um and and it it fills in holes but it's very faithful to the first film and so i liked i like the story it's it's a it has more complexity it's more dark than and uh but there are some really hilarious moments a couple moments i just laughed out loud olaf recreating the first movie Oh, the sh- yes. Yeah. yeah. It's telling a story and playing charades. Yeah. I loved it playing charades. <laughs> You're a mouse. That was great. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, yes, it's, oh, and speaking of recreating the movie, you have to stay to the end. You have to sit mm-hmm. through the credits, listen mm-hmm. to the beautiful music on those big Dolby speakers. Unless you have big Dolby speakers in your house, you're you're not going to hear it this good again. You have to stay to the very, 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 very end. Yep. Um, because and and the payoff is worth it. Hundred percent. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and um, also I, there were a couple little things I like. Like, there's a scene where a young Anna and a young Elsa are playing with, we'll call them toys. Look carefully at those toys, yeah, because they're 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 figures from other Disney films, and it's I mean, Baymax is in there. Oh, they I mean, it's, they it's it, the details. Yeah, no, the the details <laughs> yeah. that they put into this is just. It's really incredible. And I understand the people who don't like it. I understand the idea that, well, it didn't stand stand enough far apart from the first movie. In my opinion, I going on a tangent, Empire Strikes Back is my favorite Star Wars movie, like many others. Uh, you can't have the Empire Strikes Back without A New Hope. They just don't. Oh, they absolutely. Don't work. And I feel like absolutely. it's I agree very similar to Frozen 2. It might not have to be your favorite, <laughs> but Frozen 2 and Frozen work together simultaneously to deliver mm-hmm. an, a story yeah. that I was blown away by considering we walked out of that expo, that expo presentation saying, oh, good, Frozen 2. And I was blown away. Mm-hmm. I had yeah I had I went in with very low expectations. I almost wasn't going to go see it right away until I knew we were going to talk about it tonight. Mm-hmm. So I went I went first thing this morning. But um I I loved it. Also there's there's one scene I'm not going to give it away but Anna hears let it go. And watch her reaction to it. I just thought that was hilarious. It's subtle. 
Mm-hmm. But I think she speaks for all of us <laughs> who feel that song was – we were beaten with it over our heads. And I just thought, okay, that is cute. Yeah. I really like that. It was definitely a nice <laughs> wink saying, we understand you might think we're doing this solely out of money or not, but we also mm-hmm. understand. But I – I really, I could not recommend Frozen 2 enough. I genuinely, I agree I, I with you. It. I did too. And and if you have Disney Plus, go rewatch Frozen. Unless you have young children, and you've probably watched it so <laughs> many times. But um, but if you haven't, like I hadn't seen it in in a, a couple of years, I, I I was very happy I had rewatched Frozen. Because there there are some things that I needed my memory refreshed on, and um, so it was. It's good. I, I definitely recommend it. It's funny because some of the criticisms I've heard is that they feel some feel that the actions the characters take at the very very end are ones they couldn't believe are decisions they believe they wouldn't make. The decisions were out of character. And I thought, no, I, I don't think so at all. I no. think it it worked for me. I think and one because of Because all the all the connections are still there. Yeah. I, I think one of the things that has been the most remarkable for me is that and I'm not talking about anyone in particular, but I've seen it multiple times now from people I know that they are calling into question the the decisions that the characters are making and saying like well this is just it's it's not right it's not okay but then they're not realizing that the parallels that they actually have to the characters that they've just never realized mm-hmm. but from the outside as a friend it's like oh i can see that i can see you're that character so it surprises me that you don't see that you're that character so you're irritated by the choices they make but you make those same choices every day and it's oh, it's weird yeah. i think that this movie actually it's even though it, on appearances yes it has nothing to do with the real world but i think the characters are actually very very grounded compared to a lot of other animated movies a lot of movies in general yeah yeah, yeah so definitely if this one is not on your holiday list i i highly recommend Mm-hmm. That you go see Frozen too. Me too. It's just a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, d- uh, uh, d- uh, another fun thing, and then we'll get into the show. D twenty three just um, sent out their press release um, earlier today about what's coming up in twenty twenty yeah. for uh, Destination D. And the thing that I think both Craig and I are most excited about is Destination D is again because it's a non-expo year in 2020 and their theme is fantastic worlds (laughs) i know you think there's a dinosaur in there or something anyway it's (laughs) it's coming um november 20th through the 22nd so um it's going to honor disney's many magical places from the extraordinary to the fantastical but also the um, Walt Disney Archives are also turning 50. So they're going to have an all-new exhibit that is going to include 50 iconic treasures representing the 50 years of the archives. So that's going to be interesting to see what they uh, what they start pulling out of the vault. I wonder if it's going to be one item from each of their years, something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It'll be interesting. 
Um, and then, of course, they're going to have Mickey's of Glendale there, and and they're going to have pop up shops and you know all kinds of other stuff there. So there, it, late spring is when more details are going to be announced. But mark your calendars. I know Craig and I are both planning to be there. Hundred uh, percent. After this, it I I can give this one of the best recommendations that I ever have. I think we talked about it during the uh, last time around with it. But not only did I buy my own ticket to destination d but then i also got invited for media because they announced everything at the beginning of day one <laughs> we had that 30 minutes before it actually started where it's like well we're doing this 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 new parade blah 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 all of that mm-hmm. or well, whatever was even announced then i don't even remember at this point but uh it's i it, essentially that that entire weekend i spent my own money on it and wasted it because my ticket ended up going to no one. But even then it was such an incredible weekend that I, Mm -hmm. it's, it's worth it that much to me. So I cannot wait for it this weekend. I think it's this coming up year next year in 2020. I think it's going to be amazing. I think the entire lineup that they kind of announced uh, of what's going to be happening is going to be good. Some of the uh, throwback movies that they're going to be celebrating this year that are celebrating anniversaries include Three Caballeros, a goofy movie, oh, yeah. Emperor's New Groove, uh, like oh, some of those screenings. I'll be at those. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, and uh, oh, well, let let me know because I'd like to go see the Three Caballeros. Oh, me too. Definitely. To see that on the big so, screen. Uh, it's, I'm glad I have mm-hmm. it on Disney+, Plus, but to watch it how it was intended, that's a complete different story. So, Yeah, yeah. Uh, they're also going to be uh, they're going to be also celebrating the um, 50th anniversary of the archives. I think I mentioned this before. They're going to have an exhibit at the Bowers Museum in Santa Ana, California, 50 Years of Preserving the Magic is what it's called and they are going to have um, some special events around that with for d23 members uh they're um they're again they're going to have another uh trip to marceline which i might consider trying to sign up for that this time because next year i really i'm very seriously looking at going to marceline yep uh, they're going to have more Walt Disney Studio tours this time than they have in the past. And uh, and they're going to have more advanced screening of films in various places. Uh, the, apparently, it's going to be in 35 cities around the country. They're, they're moving them around and all that. And they're going to have a whole bunch of signature events at the resorts again. And um, including, you know, like Sip and Stroll at Epcot. And, um, you know, light up the season at D23 at the studios. Um, the Walt Disney Family Museum is going to have another event at D23. They're going to have member meetups all over the place, including at Alani. Uh, oh, wow. This, year, this coming year. So, yeah, so that's exciting. So, all kinds of cool stuff happening with D23. Yeah. I'm very excited. Hopefully, yeah. I get to go to a few of those. We're just trying to tell you, if you're not getting it, that if you thought you could get out of renewing your membership this year... That's not going to happen. You got to stick with it for another no, year. No, a lot of cool stuff. Destination D is worth it. If you if you um, you know, became a member because of the expo, and you're one of those people that you drop it every other year, uh, keep it and go to the destination D. Yeah, <laughs> agree. You won't, you won't be disappointed. And and Walt Disney World will be all decorated for Christmas. 
and that's always a wonderful treat. Mm-hmm. So, okay, well, each quarter we invite members of our Connecting with Walt family to become a part of the show by submitting questions for me and Craig to answer. And the questions are generally about Disney theme parks and resorts, Walt Disney's family, the Walt Disney Company. Although I don't think we got anything about the company per se this year. There wasn't associated with another topic. No Bob um, Imagineering Disney films? Um, well, there was, but it was... I put it in a theme park category. Oh, okay. Um, okay. You know, Disney films, you know, and more. So, there... Anyway, so, uh, this week... Well, first of all, we got... I think we might have gotten the most we ever have before. If not, it was very close. So very, thank you yeah. for submitting them. Unfortunately, it is impossible to answer all of them. We'll get to as many of them as we can. There were a lot of the same questions asked by various people. We'll try to... If we do grab one of those questions that was asked by multiple people, we'll we'll try to mention at least all the names so you know you're included, you know, in that mm-hmm. group. Um, this week, we're going to answer questions about the theme parks and resorts, since we usually receive more questions in this category than any other. And in our next episode, we'll answer questions from the other categories. So, Craig, do you want to um, kick us off? By selecting the first question? I guess I can. You're really, (laughs) really putting me out there. So uh, it'll be fine, though. So this is a fun one that it jumped out to me immediately when you you sent over the list of questions. And this one comes from Kendall Pal-Michel, I believe. And uh, Kendall asks, for the upcoming 50th anniversary of Walt Disney World, what one attraction plus upgrade would you hope to see hmm. in our ride and the what reason i ask it is like because obviously on your you're not from this coast so if you could see something plus from see. our side what would you want I it to be thought about that one ventures well no because you don't have it <laughs> <laughs> unless you ours mean the princess getting, fairy tale hall of course uh, ours ours is getting plus <laughs> what would i what would i like to see improved Hmm. I think I would like to see Carousel of Progress improved for the fiftieth. You know, I, I, let's 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 try to give it some state of the art, uh, you know, um, sound. I think, and uh, you know, I, I think the first few scenes are fine, but let's see what let's see what the Imagineers can do with that final scene. I, I'm pretty much all there on board with you it was one that i considered saying when uh this question came up and i feel like i answered in a similar way but uh but different at the same time too Uh, my initial uh plus that i would like to see would be for country bear jamboree i would like to see the return of seasonal shows to it Mm -hmm. with with of course the upgrade in audio and everything that comes with it but uh, I, I feel like that goes hand in hand with Carousel of Progress. You just want to see it return to its glory in a way. It doesn't need to be like changed too much. Just add a little flair to it. If you can bring back in a little bit of the old that we love about it with the new, even better. But uh, I think those are uh, Carousel of Progress and Country Bear Jamboree to me, I think are two that 
need to stand out for the 50th anniversary. Like I get, I get Disneyland wanting to, for when they had their 60th, they wanted to plus a lot of their uh, opening day attractions and dark rides. But I feel like Walt Disney World is a whole other beast for our 50th anniversary. We have to look in different directions rather than Fantasyland only. Because Fantasyland mm-hmm. just got a lot of love a couple of years ago. It did. Got a lot of love. Yeah. Would you want to see the the spiel, the dialogue brought back to Country Bears? Oh, I if we could make Country Bear Jamboree into like an hour long show, I would be there for every single show. <laughs> I know no one else would. Uh, if it could actually just go from if we could do Country Bears around the season and we can go from regular show to the summer show to the Christmas show without blinking an eye like that would be my absolute dream oh that's funny so i yeah i would love i i I love that idea too i think that would be great yeah i so i it's i think magic kingdom going into the 50th i think we're actually pretty good on attractions that we have for it i don't know that necessarily anything needs plus i think just there's a little bit of love that could be given given around to certain places mm-hmm. oh i agree absolutely so um okay uh, well let me ask you this since mm-hmm. it's also about uh the magic kingdom so uh mandy daly mason asks as a walt fan and a walt disney world girl i am always trying to find walt in our parks i love the episode that you did on the history of disneyland sailing ship columbia because now i see a nod to walt every time i walk past columbia harbor house in magic kingdom what other subtle ways can i see walt in walt disney world so craig how do you where do you see walt see i feel where i connect most with walt is with the classic attractions and i know that's kind of a cop-out in this but i like if i want to feel walt i go to tiki room and i go to to carousel of progress and and that's where that's where i want to say i get the most of my fix however the past couple times i've walked into epcot it's going through such a transformation right now i know it's not the transformation that walt wanted it's not the park that walt wanted but i don't know i i feel i feel scared saying this but i think that i think that a lot of the decisions being made in epcot are being made with that idea of like if it can't be the Epcot that Walt wanted, can we deliver something he'd be proud of? And again, like we've talked about on the show with these questions, we're not in a position where we could ever answer that. But I will say the past couple times I've walked in Epcot, whether it's seeing the construction in Future World or walking back to World Showcase and being like, this is a a mini version of what he probably felt during the 64-65's World Fair, it's still feel something like that i I, i'm getting those vibes lately and every time i'm in hollywood studios i don't know what it is about that park it is such a mess in every way (laughs) shape and form they they may have made it more approachable with star wars land and toy story land but it's thematically that park is still just ugly and it, it makes no sense, but especially during the uh, holiday time of the year, Christmas time, something about hearing that 
30s 40s music and mm-hmm. seeing the visuals it to me i i get that sense like yeah it's walt was doing this in in hollywood in this classic time he was celebrating christmas with the same music and the same aesthetic and something about that just it transports me yeah, I like the retro uh, mm-hmm. decorations of, of Disney Hollywood Studios, like those giant scary poodle dogs and stuff. I really yeah. like those. <laughs> but, you knew um, someone who had them. <laughs> I oh, mean, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, I did. My generation, you knew some older lady, some grandma, had all those little porcelain figures, mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. know, at Christmas time. But uh, for me, when I'm at Magic Kingdom especially, I find Walt, when I look at the windows it, all over the park, even in New Fantasyland, there are homages to Walt, but the people Walt worked with um, are all in there. Especially if you've been listening to this show and our classic Disneyland um, podcast, we've talked about a lot of those people. And to see their names there, that, to me, that's a good throwback. Of course, the, the train. Mm-hmm. There, there. You, I mean, it all started with the train, you know, with Walt for Walt, and uh, and so so those are ways I connect with Walt. Then the People Mover, and you know, his ideas for the future, and how he was going to improve urban life, and um, and 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 then also Animal Kingdom. I think one of the reasons I'm so drawn to that park is not only because I like the nature and animals and all that, but you know Walt was a huge. Uh, he was a conservationist before people knew what that was. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he made those True Life Adventure films and all that, and so I think. There's much of Walt's spirit in that park because he believed so much in conservation and preserving the environment and caring for animals. And uh, so um, so I think you can get in touch with him quite a bit there, too. So, um, so watch those True Life adventure films that a lot of them are on Disney Plus now. And, yep. then, and, then, go and, um, yeah, and then go into Animal Kingdom. And I think you will enjoy that park a whole lot more. 100%. Because you'll have that connection to Walt a whole lot more. Yep. I've watched two of the uh, True Life Adventures so far. And it's, mm-hmm. you know, I, I have the DVDs with them. But yes, it's, so it's beautiful watching them on my TV, too. Seeing them just mastered for high definition, it, uh-huh. it looks good. It's good stuff. Yeah, and, and they hold up. I mean, remember, nobody made those films mm-hmm. back in the day. Walt was the first one to make nature documentaries. And, you know, when you watch those, the filming, uh, everything, you know, they were working with very rudimentary, you know, cameras and all that that they were developing. But, you know, a, a lot of that photography still holds up, mm-hmm. even by today's standards. I agree. Okay. Well, it's my turn to ask you a question, and I'm going to ask you one from the Brian Wilson. And no, I'm not talking about the Brian Wilson from the Beach Boys. Okay. Uh, the Brian Wilson who listens to our show, that is. So, well, how do you know they're not one and the same? Uh, this is spelled B-R-Y-A-N versus oh, Brian okay. as B-R-I-A-N. So, it's, his, it's his alias. In, <laughs> unless he's trying to trick us, which is... Very admirable that you will only change one letter on there. Uh, it's uh, I'm going to assume it's two different ones. So you're the okay. more important, Brian, because you listen <laughs> to us versus the other Brian who 
Uh, well, based on the last time I saw him play a concert, he's not listening to Connecting with Walt. He's just in his own world. But uh, we don't need to go down that road. He, he did do a Disneyland CD or a Disney CD. Though. Oh, I the concert I saw him in three years ago was incredible. It's mm-hmm. at one point he stood up from his piano and just walked off stage in the middle of a song to not, get a drink. Yeah, he he didn't realize it. <laughs> it was just like you could tell he was in the mind, like oh. I I need to go to the bathroom or I need to go to the drink. I'm going to do that. (laughs) Ignoring the fact that there was still half of a song to play. Uh, It was bizarre, but uh, (laughs) I will never trade those memories for anything. So other Brian Wilson asked, you two have been quite candid regarding your dislike for the current Tomorrowland at Disneyland. Pretend Bob Chapek has handed you the keys to a wrecking ball and a blank check. What does your new ideal Tomorrowland look like? Does anything remain from its current form? Hmm. Well, this is fun. Yeah, I thought of. I knew this question would get asked. I, um, yeah, I, know. I, I There's some parts I would keep. Actually, uh, the uh, Space Mountain, of course, mm-hmm. would remain. Maybe it wouldn't look exactly the way it looks like. I'll get into that. And surprisingly, I would keep Utopia because I'm I'm a convert, but I mm-hmm. would make changes mm-hmm. to it. And and there's also another reason why I would keep it though, and then um, and and the submarines because I don't ever want oh, those to go away. Not but, the monorail. Oh yeah, monorail oh, okay. is a given. Okay. Monorail would always stay there. But um, but I you know especially after coming off Disneyland Paris, and if you're new to the show, uh, Craig and I talked at length about Disneyland Paris a few episodes back. Talked about their Tomorrowland. And, you know, Tomorrowland is problematic. And Walt recognized it was problematic by, uh, you know, by the, uh, with the way technology, even back then, Walt realized by the time you build it, Tomorrowland has arrived. Today, that is even more true with how technology has advanced so quickly. So I do think, you know, maybe that concept uh, of, showcasing future technology all that has outlived its time because time is is outliving Tomorrowland mm-hmm. in a way but so I do like the concept that Tony Baxter did with Disneyland Paris and I would love to see every Tomorrowland be different in, in every park around the world and you know Shanghai's is different Tokyo's is, is a throwback to the old style you know Magic Kingdom one mm-hmm. and all they're all different I would like to do that discovery land kind of idea what did the people in the past think the future would look like and I think one like maybe the Magic Kingdom or something could do you know uh, uh, what? It, what people in the fifties might have thought it looked like, and maybe another park could do where it is that alien spaceport. That'd probably be easier for the Magic Kingdom to pull that one off. You know, there's all kinds of things. I like to go back to Tony Baxter's idea for Discovery Bay, but incorporated into a Discovery Land similar to Disneyland Paris. So yeah. bring some of his ideas out of Mothballs, but and then sort of slightly retheme them. For a Tomorrowland future instead of the, and make it a, the steampunk sort of Tomorrowland, and um, and then you know make it um, you know and then uh, you know and then um, but but and and retheme some of his ideas, some like a Victorian kind of look to a more of a futuristic look. I think you could still use the Spark Gap Loop 
roller coaster with that magnetic um, technology. I think you could still do that. You could replace Buzz Lightyear with the fireworks factory, which is a moving shooting gallery where guests would shoot targets through a fireworks factory themed attraction. Um, it could be something else, but I think there was more kinetics involved in that than what was in Buzz Lightyear, which basically is an offshoot of that fireworks factory concept. Um, I would want to keep Space Mountain, but give it a true spe- steampunk exterior, yeah. not just pe- repainting it, you know, a brass color like they did. I'd love to bring in the Hyperion Spaceship Balloon Ride. You know, maybe it wouldn't go to where that film Island at the Top of the World went to. Maybe it, it, it you know, it, 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 I think that would have to be rethunk a little. Um, you know, retheme the submarines to Captain Nito, Nemo, and but add the Nautilus yeah. sit-down restaurant, maybe where the motorboat cruise dock is, you know, that area. Um, I'd though then pull Mark Davis's Plectu's fantastic intergalactic review for the Carousel of Progress building. So, um, and then I and then retheme the uh, Utopia cars, but with a steampunk design. And then, in order to incorporate the People Mover again, redesigning the cars so they fit the theme, I would want to add a second level to Tomorrowland and that, there would be shops and restaurants up there and I'd move the Astro Orbiter back to the former location And but the thing is I'm keeping, I want the people mover the monorail, yeah, and the Utopia cars and the uh, and the submarines because you can't have everything mm-hmm. you don't, you don't want to have a Tomorrowland where everything's indoors in show buildings, the future can't be indoors the future also has to be outdoors, and I want to get back to where there's more visuals and more kinetics and things like that. Mm-hmm. So there has to be outdoor attractions and kinetics and stuff like that. So that's just sort of what popped off the top of my head. Or do a lot of this, but maybe make it what they thought the future would look like in the 50s, you know, because that's the setting of when Disneyland was built. And um, with all that googie style architecture or something, I don't know. But that's sort of what I would do. And, and, yeah. and notice there's no IPs yeah, in here. I mean, I have very similar feelings to you. I think <laughs> for today. me, I would really. opt more towards uh, Disneyland keeping it as that that idea of space in the future before we travel to space. Which you know, it's it's very well documented in some of the shorts and stuff that that mm-hmm. Disney has done. And then for for Magic Kingdom, even though that's not being included, but we kind of included it in as well too. I would like to see that as that. Okay, well, it opened up after we already got to the moon. So where do we go from there? And I, I would like to see it from that perspective. And I know it's still very much a throwback perspective in a way but i think for domestic parts parks it keeps both of them being very unique because even though it really was only a span of 10 years Mm -hmm. give or take uh it's very it's very different mindsets between those two time periods and 
it's if you grew up during it, right. then you understand it. Or if you're like me, who's a complete nerd and you watch so many documentaries on it, you understand the difference between the the mid fifties, the the early sixties, and then early seventies when it was space felt kind of out of favor because it was been there, done that. What's what's the news with it? So, I, I would like to see it from that aspect. But uh, to to more answer the question closer to yours, uh, your answer, I I would keep Space Mountain. I would keep the monorail. I would keep uh, the submarines. I would keep Autopia a hundred thousand percent. So, really, the two big things on the chopping block for me are. Definitely Star Tours and Buzz Lightyear and Astro Orbiter. Astro Orbiter needs to be gone. I don't. How did we not talk about the fact Mm -hmm. that they released the concept art for the updated entrance to Tomorrowland and they kept the freaking Astro Orbiter there? (sighs) I know. I can only think that it's because. that they, they they have Maybe. another plan you know there there there's more planned for that land and Asta orbiter is going to figure into that but they're just not well i just it, got it myself knocking things down so i need that to and go. they're not at but that point yet. space mountain monorails autopia submarines they need yeah. to stay you we have said it a million times over and over on the show tomorrowland is not about the world of tomorrow it's about the kinetics <clears throat> of this world it's about the pace. It's about the movement. And if Tomorrowland doesn't have that, it's not Tomorrowland. It just it, it needs it needs movement. Mm-hmm. I agree, absolutely. Yeah. So, okay, excellent. So, we'll see what they do with it because there's all kinds of rumors th- that. After they're done with the Marvel's Marvel Adventure campus, that they're going to set their sights on Tomorrowland. (laughs) Oh, of course, I've heard that too. But that figures into Tomorrowland. Yeah, that figures into the what they're going to do to Tomorrowland. They have to make some room for Elsa. So we'll see what happens. All right. Well, e, I'm, well. Let's since we're redesigning stuff, let's let's uh, redesign. Let's design something from scratch. Ian Galloway asks, "Okay, we need a new Disney World hotel." Uh, Ian, it's Walt Disney World, um, and we need in, we need a new Walt Disney World designed from scratch. What is the theme? Where is it? What makes it awesome? All right, Craig, you're going to. Uh, design a, a hotel is it that going to be that that michael no. eisner idea of making a hotel no it's not going Mouse? to be uh it's it's one that <laughs> i think borrows from a hotel that's already there as well as a hotel that i i think needs to exist and i think we talked about it on a disney world show a long long time ago i still think there needs to be a hotel outside of hollywood studios that actually appreciates hollywood and uh, it's I, I get that we have all star movies, mm-hmm. which is like a wink at Hollywood, but it's not actual and it's not actually an appreciation of Hollywood. But right outside of Hollywood studios, especially just beyond 
beyond the borders of the Hollywood Tower Hotel and such, you could put up an amazing hotel that just transports you into that that 20s, 30s, 40s classic time period of movies and do it do it as a deluxe. Don't do it as a, a, a value hotel where everything's cheap and you have motel rooms and you have big tacky Disney characters on the outside. Don't do it like that. Do a classic Hollywood hotel where you feel like you're royalty, where you feel like you could go from that hotel into the Hollywood Tower Hotel, not knowing that it fell into disrepair and all that. Just find a way to transition that, but then also have wings that pay homage to everything that Disney now owns, from Pixar to Marvel to Star Wars to their own products. I feel like there's something there for that. And exactly, and Fox. There is there's no limit. It doesn't have to be themed rooms. Come up with a bar that is just that encapsulates all of that. Come up with a restaurant that is Pixar only, and a a, a, another restaurant that only has Marvel stuff in it, and that is Star Wars experience. Like there's so many things you can do with that, and Hollywood Studios feels underutilized. It just kind of sits by itself we know there's going to be the star wars experience that opens up there uh in the future but beyond that there's still no attempt to really connect hollywood studios to the rest of walt disney world so for me i want a hotel that feels like oh i'm staying at hollywood studios i'm staying at the flagship hotel that pulls me into hollywood and that's what i really want Mhm. Mhm. I I think that's a fabulous idea. So, um and um mine is a little different. Although I'm not sure where I exactly I would put this. It could even be in the same general area as as what you've mentioned, but um I want sort of I want a hotel themed to Fantasia. And it would sort of it could be Greek themed, but um you know, but it would be. It would include. Let, let's say when you enter the lobby, it's 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 themed to the dance of the hours with and there's an elephant fountain, you know, in the center of the lobby, you know, with the, in the little, you know, in their little tutus with you know water coming out of their trunks and there's statues of dancing hippos and alligators around and up, you know, in these columns up the roof. There's the little cherubs and things like that up there. Um, you know, there could be a sorcerer's apprentice pool with a water slide and, and the brooms are pouring the water you know out of the buckets down the water slide the wings of the hotel can be themed to various film segments from both of the fantasia films you know with artwork um you know the concept art from the films and there could be you know maquettes i mean there could be all kinds of stuff throughout there with the, an architecture reminiscent of those various um segments throughout there could be another pool because there has to have more than one pool there there could be a rite of spring dinosaur watering hole 
you know, kids would love with a, a volcano, you know, sort of in the center that, that's also a slide or something. Uh, the gardens of the hotel can be themed to the um, pastoral symphony segment. Uh, I mean, if you really wanted to have it all, you know, one thing that Walt Disney World doesn't have is an ice skating rink. You could have a little ice skating rink with that's to the um, Nutcracker Suite. Um, segment of the film that could be beautifully themed with all the little little sprites and the snowflakes and the little mushrooms and all that around um you could um i would want a rhapsody in blue restaurant themed to the jazz age you know with a jazz lounge uh there there could be a carnival of animals flamingo and fountain uh pines of rome humpback whale fountain in another area that's themed to that and maybe some of the animal sequences of course Um, yeah of course there has to be a bacchus wine bar you know in there and um you know and i i think they could have so much fun with this and um i don't know i and And I I just think this would be terrific. And also because, you know, one of the things about the the hotels that they're building now that are very luxurious, a lot of people are saying, but they don't feel Disney. You know, they're nice hotels that they could be planted anywhere. And I think this is a hotel that when you walk in, you're going to say, oh, this is a Disney hotel. And... um, I love I, that idea. I mean, but I, we're also so anyway. That's what I would like. You know, to we're do. people who love Fantasia, so. Mm-hmm. But if this is done well, you know, I that mean, it's just it's just the fact. I mean, think of the topiaries you could have uh, all around. I think if this were done well, e- even people who didn't know the film would still enjoy the charm and the fantasy of of this hotel and it would have to be located in the in the right spot you know too mm-hmm. so um you know so and and i'm not sure where that would be you know i mean it could be almost anywhere i mean it could be near animal kingdom yeah. it could be near um it could even be near hollywood studios so well, I mean, i've got so a good it question could be almost anywhere for you from so. amanda and this is, has there ever been something mm-hmm. in the parks that has both surprised you that is there, then pleased you that you knew what it was? For example, Amanda got a little chip on her shoulder when she recognized Cody's flight from Rescuers Down Under in the Soren Loop and cannot imagine many people picking up on it. So have you ever noticed something that surprised you that you think other people didn't really know what it was? Hmm. Well, it goes back again to, I think, a lot of the homages to, like, the Nine Old Men. A lot of the names of shops, people don't always realize, oh, you know, what the connection is. Um, to It's either to a film or to a character or to a real-life person. And so a lot of times folks don't know that, and I like to see that kind of throwback. Well, um, yeah, the, while you I'm think, I'll just think of kind of say that I think things. Amanda actually hit a very, very, very cool part of Walt Disney World Parks and Disney Parks in a whole uh, right on the nose there. And that's that Soren Loop that the Soren Loop is so interesting because it really does pull mm-hmm. from all factions of of movies and not just Disney movies. They play the hook 
theme in there, which is something that Disney does not own Hook, even though we we relate it so much to uh, to, to Disney with Peter Pan. It's not it's not one in the same. So, like, I love when I I hear that randomly, and then there's Armageddon music in there, and uh, it just it it pulls from all these different places that you don't expect, and I th- I think that's that's one of the beautiful things about that loop and it's it's a part of disney that it's the music in in a sense you never know what you're going to hear i think like even wilderness lodge with their music loop does a good job of that too surprising you what you're going to hear next it's that very that wilderness frontiers uh you know uh pioneer style but it, a random song that you might know will end up popping up in it, and it just kind of brings you back to something else. And and I feel like the music around Walt Disney World and Disneyland tries to do that as much as possible. And it's it's a good place to hide stuff that people don't pick up on. You know, visual. You always think of visual cues that people don't necessarily see, but I think auditory cues are something that that can really be hidden that people don't get, but it really just, it, it instantly takes you there. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I agree. So, um, yeah, the music is some of my favorite, you know, some of my favorite things. So that's there. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. anyway, and, and the music definitely transports you. So, um, anyway, so, okay. All right. Well, you know, Epcot, Epcot, a lot of stuff's happening at Epcot. Both Keith Henniger and Lindsay Sellers asked, uh, similar questions. What, what thing are, uh, what is the thing you're most excited to see happen at Epcot? And what change are you worried about or not Um. excited about? A tough question. Um, I mean, the one thing I think right now, I'll just answer the part that I feel most comfortable with. I'm still not excited for the next fireworks show beyond Epcot Forever. And I think a lot of that has to deal with the fact that I was one of those optimists Mm -hmm. that was building up Epcot Forever in my head for how long. And I still like the show. And I, I, I think it's a, a solid show that has a very strange ending and some boring parts in it. But uh, it really, it really, really is testing my patience for what the next fireworks show is at Epcot. And I think that's it's not necessarily an important part of Epcot, but it's an important part to me because that's part of how I see Epcot. Because I was used to to watching illuminations every single night when i i worked there and i was able to pull the shift where that's where i got to end my night at and i mean i i tried to make sure if i worked five nights a week i wanted to stand out and watch illuminations three of those five nights so uh the fireworks for me right now are the big question mark on what's happening with epcot because i don't know if i can trust it anymore they screwed up something that should have been very easy. But they didn't necessarily screw it up. It's just, it's not as good as it could be. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. So, um, wh- what I'm most excited about, um, there, there's a lot I'm excited about. You know, there's uh, you know, there's a lot of new things coming. You know, the new films for Canada and China, and the one coming to the land. Um, I think I'm really excited. Uh, the new entrance, you know, is looks beautiful. Uh, Remy's Ratatouille Adventures, probably because just because I experienced it at Disneyland Paris, I'm excited to see. Are they completely just transporting it exactly as it looked in uh, you know at Disneyland Paris, or are they making you know improvements? The entrance. Sorry, I, I was. Um, I'm just going to jump in there. The entrance is one thing Space I can agree with you on. I am uh-huh. so pumped for the new entrance. As a local there right now, the entrance is such a freaking mess that anything will fix it. But the fact that it's not going to be fixed, that it's going to be improved. Oh, I I cannot wait till you walk into that park and it feels like it feels like you're being welcomed in there. Versus, it feels like. We just took your money. Have fun. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What I'm not most excited for is I, I'm not excited for what they're how they're transforming future world, and um, I'm most disappointed that Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind is there at Epcot, where I think it would have fit better at another park like Hollywood Studios um, so I, I'm disappointed with that So um, yeah anyway I'm sure it's going to be a great ride I don't know if it's one I'll be able to ride <laughs> but um, yeah. although I survived that that crushes go coaster or whatever it was that I rode it at the Walt Disney Studios in Paris but um, I don't know Okay. Well, I am going to, uh, uh, I'm going to pose this next question to you. And of course I'm going to answer it too, but it's, it's a question that I love a lot and it came from Jessica and it's which park feels the most like home to you? Oh, it, I, is it like well? That's where she was. Is it not just one park or is it on one on each coast? <laughs> I, I I feel like we can give multiple answers. Okay, well, on this coast, uh, the West Coast, it's Disneyland because that's the park I grew up with. You know, that's the park I worked in for a bit. Um, yeah, it's Walt's Park. That's the park, you know, we all watched on television growing up. At least my generation did. So I am... Um, so it's so it's one that... Uh, so yeah, it's, it's, so for here, it's definitely that one. Um, for uh, back in Walt Disney World, it's, it's Animal Kingdom. I... The, the, the comfort and good feeling and and relaxation that I feel when I walk into Disneyland, that's how I feel yeah. when I walk into Animal Kingdom. I, I, I just love that park. I think it's beautiful. I love the nature. I love the animals. I think the creativity the, imagine, man, the Imagineers put into it is wonderful. I hope they don't go IP crazy with that park and start putting in things that are, you know, only loosely uh, 
connected to the theme of that park because I think Avatar was started to push the boundaries a bit. Yeah. And um, for so me on this I'm, coast, I'm, it's so, anyway, Hollywood so Studios. What it is without what about you, Craig? Any any question at all? I there, there's so much I love about Epcot mm-hmm. and and Magic Kingdom and Animal Kingdom, but I I think a lot of Hollywood Studios, honestly, for me, goes back to growing up watching the Muppets go to Walt Disney World, which uh, you know it's it takes place in the three parks oh. <laughs> at that time but so much of it is centered around hollywood studios because that was part of the park that they were pushing uh, during that special and so it's like that was one of those things that i watched in between our trips so it was so fresh with me and then when i was a teen i feel like that was one of uh, the more formative years of my life in terms of walt disney world and such and so we had Twilight Zone, Tower of Terror, and Rock and Roller Coaster that were really impactful on me. And it's now with Galaxy's Edge, which I am a huge fan of. Uh, I it, that adds a certain element to it. it. Still has classic Star Tours. It has that Hollywood feel that I love. I love classic Hollywood. That is, it's so important to me. So all around, I walk into that park. It doesn't matter what time of year. I feel like it's a park meant for me, but uh, like you, it's it doesn't matter what it is on this coast. Disneyland is is my home. Uh, it's it's that home that I didn't even know was my home. But I I I can't even imagine having like a bad day where I don't walk into Disneyland and it can't manage to turn around. And I can't say that about any other park here. And I, I, I've put that to the test here, where I've had really bad days, and mm-hmm. you go into the parks and you just can't, you can't knock out of that funk. But I've had times at Disneyland where I'm at my lowest, and or I feel sick and I feel like I can't carry on, and you walk into Disneyland and it's like, but I'm going to. It's just something about that park. It feeds you. It has this energy. So uh, Disneyland is is my home it might not be my home i get to go too often that that would still be hollywood studios but uh, if if everything went away and only disneyland existed that's it's a good thing because that's the one that i still have that connection to more than anything else so and I, i'll never lose it it just it's perfect mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. yeah it's a magical little park. It really is. So, yeah. Okay. Um, I'm going to grab a question that I can just answer fast. And this is Stephen DeMarco. Um, being a history buff, do you know of any books that describe the actual phases of building Disney World, Walt Disney World, and the history behind it? Uh, the, you know, we've talked about this many times. Unlike uh, the building of Disneyland, there, where there's many, many, many books on that, not as many about Walt Disney World, only because Walt wasn't there. It, it, you know, after Walt passed, it, it sort of became everything was built by committees. Um, but the book that I think is the best reference is called Project Future: The Inside Story Behind the Creation of Disney World. Yes, he should have put in the word Walt there. Um, by Chad Emerson, it's very good. It really gets into the details. I mean, it gets into legislation. I mean, it gets into everything. Um, but 
it's fascinating because it makes you appreciate what an enormous undertaking it was to build Walt mm-hmm. Disney World from the swamps and muck and mess that it was. I mean, it makes every time I go to Walt Disney World, I think of what it was, and I think of what what Chad Emerson wrote about, and I am amazed by what what we have there. I mean, it truly is a marvel of um, of, of construction and innovation and technology and sweat. Really is. <laughs> So, um, okay. so, so definitely, yeah. um, I check well, that book out, and it's we're getting down to a few questions left. So, so I'm going to ask you one that I think will okay. spark a little bit of conversation here, and it comes from Milo, and it's how can Disney okay. continue to bring the magic in an increasingly, mm-hmm. in an increasingly unmagical world of selfishness and impatience. Or are problems with increasingly negative guest experiences more of a problem with Disney, or is it a reflection of society, or do we just hear and see more negative because of online and social media? <laughs> well, I think to a lot of those, you can just say yes. <laughs> it's just the answer is yes. Um, anyway, um, it, it is tough because... You're right. It does seem that, in general, people are more self-centered and impatient. Those, And they definitely seem, a lot of folks seem to feel a little more entitled. Um, I think, so, and in a lot of ways, you know, people complain about, you know, oh, Disney doesn't do this, Disney doesn't do that anymore. And some of the problems, too, is because uh, of social media and all that. Like, for example, I, I know I was hearing this how i guess at one time over at wilderness lodge i think it was wilderness lodge they used to just randomly select one family that early in the Uh morning they would take them up to the top of the hotel and they would raise the flag and it was just this little bit of magic nobody knew they did this they did this for years and then social media was born and somebody had to post it that they were selected. And suddenly, people were going up and requesting to be selected. And then if they weren't selected, then their vacation was ruined, or they complained and all that. And so finally, instead of making one family stay magical, they were making four or five other family stays unmagical. So they had to drop it. And Disney's had to do this kind of thing all along the way. So social media has ruined some of these magical little things that they used to do. And then people complain, well, I remember when Disney used to do that. And um, so, yeah, so so that that is some of it. And, yeah, I do think that um, people, that a, a mm-hmm. lot of people no longer have... I don't know, manners, it seems, and all that. But I think a majority of people are very nice. I do think that the crowdedness of the park sometimes contributes to some of the, um, I don't know, ill tempers. But I I don't know. I think a majority of people who go there, they go there because they're there for the Disney magic 
and the experience and the fun. And I think if you remember why you're there, then, um, and it's not just to go on attractions, but it's to take in this whole environment and this feeling and to sort of recapture that magic of your childhood and the, or the of that film you enjoyed or to 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 have your child or granddaughter or niece or nephew have that magic from that experience same experience you had the first time you walked down main street then um yeah if Just, you don't lose sight of that i, I think the best advice is don't worry about else. other people so, i mean it's it's great to help plan your vacation based on what you're mm-hmm. seeing other people doing but it, it, you want your vacation not their vacation so it doesn't matter it, it doesn't matter what they did it doesn't matter what road you go down on it's just as long as you end up in a place where you're happy with with the decisions you made then that's all that matters I I, I can say that as a person who has gone to California before and been upset because I missed out on one or two things that I really wanted to do when if I didn't care if I didn't pay attention to this stuff I wouldn't none of it would have bothered me I would have had a fantastic trip it's just the fact that I gave too much stock into what other people were doing and as soon as you only care about what other people are doing versus mm-hmm. what you can do when you're there, then that's it, it's the downfall. So don't pay attention. Live your best life. If you're happy with what's happening, you're going to be happy. And that's that's my thing. And you know what? Social media, it's so easy mm-hmm. to be negative on. I know most people only post when they can be negative because it's so much easier but you have to keep that in mind when you're thinking then too even if someone's bragging there could be there could be that downside to it so just just go do your thing and do it well and i hope everyone enjoys it like we should so live like social media did not exist yeah <laughs> that, that would be wonderful and be kind to other people I, I know that when I thank people or wish mm-hmm. them a good day or smile you know you get those endorphins going and it makes you feel good and it, you just you walk a little taller you 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 have a smile on your face and you've put a smile on their face and you know it, it, there there's this old there's a saying from somewhere that you know I I know I've been successful if if you know, someone, someone's life yeah, has been easier because I've lived mine. Um, it's something to that effect. Or they've breathed easier because I've because of the way I've lived my life. Um, th- that's just yeah. And I, that's I mean, we should just walk going off of our lives. I sort of with uh, that. I'm not saying anyone has to do it. I'm not saying everyone has to do it. But one of the things that I try to do when I get to meet all the awesome people out there who come up to us. I let them know that when they come up and say hi, I, I know they almost always say, well, they appreciate all the work we do. I try to turn that around and immediate say, immediately say, I appreciate them because they didn't have to come up and say hi. They don't, they don't have to say anything at all. Mm-hmm. It actually, it, 
it really does mean more to me that they came up at all versus not they can they can watch from home all the time but they decided to come up and and say something and so even though it could mean the world to them it it means that much more to me that they they actually they actually said something and it's positivity goes goes such a long way it really does Mm-hmm. Oh, I agree. Yeah, that happened to me at the Walt Disney Family Museum last time. I think a listener, Garrett, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he came up, just said hello. He says he comes to the museum. He was always hoping to see me because he knew I came there too. And he saw me and was thrilled. We had a very nice chat. And, uh, you know, and um, that was nice. It made me feel So very he doesn't good. get a button. So, so he'll never matter. But I didn't have my connecting as well buttons with You, you already said that. he doesn't matter. So, He's uh, Sorry, Garrett. Well, next, next time I see him, I'll have them. Uh, okay well okay i have one for you uh missy adams wrote i always get asked this question by friends and family so i'm curious as to how everyone else would answer how do you explain your love of disney specifically the parks can you put i feel like that's a good one to go out on so i'm going to uh yeah, I'm I'm going to say it very ineloquently, and then I'm going to let you uh, really paint a masterpiece for all of us here with yours. Uh, <laughs> now, uh, how oh, do I yeah, explain right. it? Thanks it's, for the pressure. <laughs> it is one. Of, it truly is one of the toughest things to explain to anyone, and it, it, I guess it it just. You have to be in that mind state to truly understand it, and I really believe that. And uh, I'm I'm not trying to throw him under the bus in here, but I, I've talked about him before. But uh, my college roommate Hess, he he's been in one of the Diz videos, maybe two of them now. Uh, but I lived with him for three years, and I think it was during my junior year when I was sitting around studying and. Everyone came into my room and asked me why I had my headphones on. And I said, I'm listening to a Disney podcast about the parks. And the amount of ridicule that I received from that was just second to none. Because, you know, I'm a 21-year-old guy in college listening to a Disney podcast when most people didn't even know what podcasts were back then. Because we're talking 2008. So... Dis Unplugged was around for a year at that point, and some of the bigger ones were around for for a year. So it's it's not like podcasts were were really out there, and it they never they never understood mm-hmm. that entire time, and it didn't matter to me because it it brought me enjoyment, and that's all that mattered. But now Hess is through his his wife's family he is addicted to disney and now he listens to us he listens to to other disney podcasts and youtube channels and just everything in this world and it just it clicked with him and that's there's that it's an x factor that i think just for us biggest mega fans it it clicks and i think that's that that's what lies in that explanation where we can't explain what it is there's just something that once you hear it it takes you to the next level at the very at the very littlest i you know i can say it's it's the theming it's the it's the attractions they're just genuinely fun everything is done on a, on a level that feels 
it feels more enveloping than your average standard amusement park. It's it feels like there was more thought and appreciation put into it. But then there's that X factor that until you feel it, you you can't really describe it. And so it's been cool for me to see it from someone who's felt it for so many years since I was a kid to see one of my best friends hit that spot where they saw it and understood it like that's that to me has been special and now the fact that i get to see him like four times a year as he travels down as an annual pass holder like it it, that even adds to it but so that that that's where i'm at with it how do i explain it on on the basic sense it's everything that we all see but then the real explanation is there's just that factor that if someone can put a word to it one day on what it is, I'll, I will subscribe to it. But until then, it's that thing that just, it, it pulls you like Moana is pulled to the ocean. Mm-hmm. Oh, thank you. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think that's very well put. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, for me, you know, growing up in California and, you know, because I had family in Southern California and so visited regularly, uh, you know, Disneyland was always a part of my life. It was, I mean, apparently I visited when I was one year old. I don't recall that, but I did. And, uh, and the park was two years old. So, uh, you know, I have always been going there. You know, of course, in those days, going there was an event that you got dressed up for and all that. But um, and it just was a place where you went and it, it, you were filled with excitement and joy and you left the rest of the world behind. And, you know, it, it just transported you to new places and familiar places and exciting places and th- th- there was no place else like it on earth and uh, and then you know you then you'd at home you'd watch you know uncle walt you know talk about it on television every week and all his other shows and and but but he would talk about whatever new was coming at disneyland or you know disneyland through the seasons when he'd show that which was on um you know, which is on Disney Plus right now, and other things, holiday time at Disneyland, whatever it may be. And it just made you so much more excited to go down there. And that excitement is still there for me after all these decades. And it still pulls me. I'm still excited when I want to go down there. And I still feel that joy and you know that feeling of being transported when i walk down main street when i when i hear that music loop the main street music loop and um you know see the castle and and all that so and and again it it's you do feel transported because you you walk off harbor boulevard with all the bustling traffic and all that and suddenly you're in this place that doesn't feel like you're in the middle of anaheim and um it it's just amazing. It is magical, and and it just seems to be endless, you know. And um, you know, it contains rivers and spaceships, yeah, perfect and galaxies, and uh, I mean everything. I mean, it's just it's an amazing place. Yeah, and um, and you know, and and people, everyone's pretty much there for the same purpose and sharing the same feelings and um, yeah, it's great. And yeah, and there is that that truth about being pulled because, you know, our children were raised going there and all that, but they don't have that pull. 
there. Now, our granddaughter does. And so, you know, I tend to, I go with her, <laughs> you know, and we experience it together and have that same joy and excitement. But when, when I go with my children, they don't, they enjoy the parks, but they don't, um, they, there, there is that sense of wonderment and magic missing for them from it. And I don't know why. That was a great uh, answer. But it, but it is. So. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Well, thank you. And those, these were all great questions. Thank you all for submitting your theme park and resort questions. Uh, 50, there were a whole lot more <laughs> that we could not get to, unfortunately. Yeah. So, uh, but, you know, maybe next time. We will be able to when we do this, when we do our next one um, next year. But now you've asked your questions of me and Craig, but now it's time for me to ask Craig questions. Let's do it. For our This Week in Disney History quiz. Okay, Craig. We're, well, we're in December already, and um, not not no um no Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade balloons. Oh darn, uh, darn for this one. And I'm not sure. You know, we're recording this right before Thanksgiving. Uh, they're saying the parade might not have balloons this year it, due to high winds. I saw that. I saw that. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. For me, the balloons are a real big deal. So, I mean, um, it's, I, I will say it's ironic, though, because when Rhino and I went to cover the uh, holiday parade at Universal featuring Macy's, for the first uh-huh. time ever, I saw them pull the balloons out where they did not put them up in the air. They kept them, like, oh. within feet of the ground because of was high it winds. Windy? Huh. It was wild. It's, it's it's such a complete different parade. So I actually think it's probably a stronger parade, just not having balloons at all. <laughs> no, I love the balloons. I love that. Now, I could do without that whole, you know, plug every single show with Al Roker. And, 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 the, and the, have you noticed those shows he plugs? It's like the kiss of death. Yeah. Almost none of the shows. Honestly, for me. <laughs> are successful. <laughs> I don't I don't need the plugs. I don't need those at all. Mm-hmm. I don't need I the balloons are awesome if they have to be grounded because of wind. I understand it. To me the the one part of the parade that always gets the short shaft is the marching bands, especially the I high agree. school ones. I agree. I like yeah. the marching bands. And now they're they're uh, giving short shrift to the uh like the the baton mm-hmm. twirlers mm-hmm. and all the, the color guards, you know, whatever they call them. But um, and you know, I'm sorry, I'm tired of those uh, the the Broadway shows. They're interesting, but you know, uh, it, it's a parade. Uh, Give it to the marching bands. They worked hard to get yeah. there. They paid to get there. Give mm-hmm. them two minutes on TV versus sell me on a show that I probably would have went to see anyways if I ever make it to Broadway. I'll definitely yeah, see it on or, the tour or group, not. But yeah. <laughs> Oh, well. Okay. December 1st. On December 1st, 1971, the fourth engine of the Walt Disney World Railroad goes into service. For whom is it named? Ooh. uh, um, I'm just going to let you answer the question for me because I don't know for sure. Well, it's the Royal Disney. That would have been one of my four guesses. 
<laughs> well, this is named in honor of Walt's brother and business partner. And like the park's three other engines that were all in service since opening day on October 1st, 1971, the Roy O. Disney was originally built by Baldwin Locomotive Works of Pennsylvania, but it was built in 1916, making it the oldest of all the Walt Disney World locomotives. Oh. Okay, all right. December 2nd, Walt Disney Studio releases li- a live-action feature on December 2nd, 1965, and it's based on the book Undercover Cat by Gordon and, Mil- by Gordon and Mildred mm. Gordon. Gordon Gordon? <laughs> anyway, it stars Haley Mills and Dean Jones. What is the name of the film? I, at first, you threw me for a loop, but as soon as you said cat, it, I'm pretty sure it's that Don Cat. It is. And this, this, of course, is a film about bank robbers uh, and a kidnapping and a mischievous cat. It's directed by Robert Stevenson. The cast also includes Dorothy Provine, Roddy McDowell, and Frank Gorshin. And the studio will remake this film in 1997, starring Christy Ritchie. Christina Ritchie. Christina yeah. Ritchie, with a cameo appearance by Dean Jones. I never saw the 1997 I film. I grew up with that film. I, I also have seen... Uh, the original, but I I can say that I probably watched the uh, the remake at least ten times in my life. So is it good? No, no. Oh, okay, it's perfect. I like the original. It's perfect for a uh, younger audience, but I feel like the okay. the original holds up a little bit more with all audiences. Okay, so I didn't look to see if that's on Disney. Plus. I believe they are both on disney plus if i can remember correctly i know the uh the remake definitely is and i believe the original is as well too okay i hope so okay december 3rd cheer force one takes to the florida skies on december 3rd 1989 to help celebrate the holidays what is cheer force one i I've seen a picture of it, so I'm going to guess that it's this based on the day, but I think it's the uh, the Mickey balloon, but with a Santa hat on it. That's exactly right. So I had to get a balloon yeah. question in there, but yeah. It's the Mickey Mouse-shaped hot air balloon topped off with Santa Claus cap. So, yeah, no, okay, I've, I just saw that picture very recently. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it always comes around this time of mm-hmm. year. So. Mm-hmm. Okay, December 4th. The television series Disneyland airs the episode Mars and Beyond on December 4th, 1957. The program is hosted by Walt Disney and a mechanical man. What is the name of the mechanical man? Mm. I can picture it. I cannot think of the name, though. (laughs) I I don't even understand what this name meant. Garco. Yeah, I would not have pulled that. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Popular Disney voice artist Paul Fries narrates as well as provides all the voices. Mars and Beyond is the third installment of what will become a highly acclaimed and influential series about space exploration. Okay, December 5th. Walter Elias Disney is born to Flora and Elias Disney in their two-story home in a newly developed section of Chicago, Illinois, on December 5th, 1901. What is the address of Walt's birthplace? Oh, come on. (laughs) (laughs) You couldn't have just said, who was born on December 5th? And left it at that. I I genuinely, I could not... 
I, I could not give this to you. Even if I memorized it, I could not give it to you. So, <laughs> twelve forty nine Trip Avenue, and but it was sort of a trick question. You could have you could have gotten it right in a couple of ways. In nineteen oh nine, though, the address of the house was changed to twenty one fifty six North Trip oh, Avenue. I forgot that. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> yes. Yeah, the fourth Disney son is named to honor the family's pastor and friend Walter Parr, a preacher at St. Paul Congregational Church, located one block east and one block north of the Disney house. The pastor, in turn, will later name his son Elias after Walt's father. Of course, the Disney family will move to Missouri in April 1906, where Walt and his brothers and sisters will grow up on a farm in Marceline. But the family will later return to Chicago in 1917, although not in the North Trip Avenue house. Okay. December 6th, a musical comedy film directed by Robert Altman and based on a character created by E.C. Seeger premiered on, or Cigar, uh, premiered on December 6, 1980. The film was co-created by Walt Disney Studios. What is this film's name? I believe this would be Popeye. It is. Yeah, it's the Popeye, the live-action film co-created by Paramount Pictures, Walt Disney Productions, and Robert Evans Productions. It stars Robin Williams as Popeye the Sailor Man with Shelley Duvall as olive oil. She's the perfect mm-hmm. olive oil. Mm-hmm. Paramount will handle North American distribution whilst Disney's Buena Vista International will handle international distribution. It's. I think that's a very underrated Yeah, film. It's, it's not... You know, it's I, I understand why it's not a classic, especially considering Robin Williams' career, but to me it meant a lot. My parents showed me Popeye growing up a lot. So mm-hmm. it, it the first time I saw it as as a live action movie, it, it left a big impact on me. So it's I, I understand why some people haven't grasped onto it like I did, but I really I, I love Popeye. I mean, but I'm also I'm a fan of animation as a whole. I love Popeye, I love Tex Avery, Betty Boop, mm-hmm. Looney Tunes, e- everything with it. So it's just Disney kind of a couple steps above everyone else. Yeah, yeah. Okay, December 7th. A new president of the Disneyland Resort is named on December 7th, 1999. This person has held a variety of senior positions with the Walt Disney Company, including Senior Vice President of Park Operations at Disneyland and Senior Vice President of Stores for the Disney Stores. What is their name? I'm not positive on this. I was hoping as soon as you said president, you meant FDR. But... (laughs) Because he also had some importance on this date, but uh, he did a couple years earlier. So no, I, I I don't know. So oh, this is a name Disneylanders. <laughs> this is a name that will live in infamy for Disneylanders. One of two names: Cynthia Harris of the Cynthia Harris Paul Pressler. Okay, duo. I was gonna say I feel like we talked about her, but it wasn't, oh yes. Yeah. <laughs> They are not highly regarded amongst Disneylanders. They were responsible for um, closing down attractions and opening um, retail shops. (laughs) Well, I just looked her up on LinkedIn, and it says that she is known for establishing brands in 
really, really connecting the brands with the people who love the brands. So you're wrong. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah, didn't she go on to like? I think she went on the Levi's or something. Uh, Gap for a little while, and then Gap. Gap, yeah. Is she still there? I thought she was uh, let go. From she that. was. Oh, we'll just go through it because I'm already on her LinkedIn. <laughs> I'm about to add her. It's not it, no big deal or anything. But uh, 97 to 2004, she was with the Walt Disney Company, and uh, as you said, 99 to 04, uh, Disneyland Resort. Then Gap from 04 to 07, and she's just really done a lot of jobs since then. After that, mm-hmm. she was with uh, she was a board member of an unknown company called Kendra Scott from 2011 to 2016. She was with David's Bridal from 2013 to 2019, and CYG Consulting from 2011 to present. So she's doing good, real good. Mm-hmm. Is David's Bridal still in business? I think so. I, I pass oh, it every okay. now and then. I'm at. Oh no, I can't even at her. <laughs> I'm not allowed to add her. I'm not in the right level uh, as she is on LinkedIn. Uh, it's fine. It's okay. a, it's going to be okay. I'll add someone else. <laughs> so. All righty. Well, not bad for this week. Not bad. Yeah. Just just the disappointment of LinkedIn right at the end here. But I'll get over it. Oh, well. Oh, well. LinkedIn, Bob Iger. <laughs> Okay, Craig. Well, well. Uh, next week, well, we have a whole parcel of more questions. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking forward to, to going through those with you. So um, until next time, where can our listeners find you on the Diz Unplugged network of shows? You can find me on any of the shows throughout the week. Uh, you know, Walt Disney World Edition, Disneyland Edition, Universal. But anytime you want to find me, you can find me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Teleclaster. What about you, Michael? Okay. You can send me messages at Michael at WDWinfo.com. Twitter, I'm at mbowling121. Facebook, I'm Michael Bowling. Instagram, Michael Bowling the Diz. And you can connect with me and Craig on Twitter at ConnectingWalt. If you would like to listen to more shows on the history of Walt Disney, his studios, his Imagineers, and Disneyland, check out our Disneyland podcast archives for my Disney history episodes, either at the link in the show notes or at DizUnplugged.com. And look for past episodes of Connecting with Walt on iTunes where you can subscribe to our show and leave some positive reviews and ratings. So thank you for making us a part of your day. And remember, I only hope that we don't lose sight of one thing that was all started by a man, Walt Disney, and his brother Roy. (laughs) 